Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. Every day in the I Work For Him show, it is our desire to challenge the way you think about your faith and work and how they're related. Today, we're going to dive really deep into answering this question. How can the Christian business owner solve the problem of raising money for missionaries? You say, wait a minute. That's part of their job. They got to raise money. And I'm going to tell you, wait a minute. You're wrong. We've got in with in studio with us today, David Yates, CEO of the Clearwater Marine Aquarium, and he is passionate about this subject. We talked about the last time he was on the air, talking about all the great things going on at Clearwater Marine Aquarium and in David and Joanne's life. Today, we're digging deep into how you, the Christian business owner, you, the Christian employee, can help solve the problem of raising money on the mission field. And I've got this verse for us, David, to start us off. Galatians 6.6, nevertheless... The one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Love it. Great David Yates, welcome back to the I Work For Him show. I appreciate you coming back. Glad to be back, Jim. Appreciate it. All right. Today, we're tackling monster topic. Mm-hmm. But first, let's just give an update. How's Christ making an impact in your life today? Uh, well, by basically by my seeing my children grow in faith right now, it's probably my biggest thing right now. Just watching my kids grow up and have faith in Christ for me is really a cool thing. My daughter is really on fire for missions right now. She wants to go on a, a year-long mission trip. So for me, <laughs> watching my kids do That's that. That's cool and freaky all at the same time. It is. It's scary. But as a dad, watching your children get excited for Christ is really a cool thing. So that's inspiring me right now. 
That it's cool to be inspired by our kids, it isn't is. it? Yeah. I never went on the into the third world mission field. Never went and, and visited third world missionaries. I had supported them for years. I never went until my kids went at Indian Rocks. That's part of their curriculum yeah. to go on a short term trip every year as I, part of their and and I went. Because of them, they inspired me to go. There you go. And my life's never been the same. There you it, go. it has been my goal since I came back to stop the insanity of the question we're talking about today. That's right. Missionaries and pastors are usually very good at teaching evangelism and discipleship. That's their gifts. They are almost absolutely categorically horrible <laughs> at raising money, administration, management, and and organization and they know it and and they're okay with that yeah. because God's using them in one way and right. He created the body of Christ which yesterday I had somebody talk about the corpuscles in Christ I'm not quite sure what those ro- result those roles are they're they're behind the scenes people mm-hmm. but they're pumping the blood right that's what we're talking about doing today right you've got a passion I've got a passion for eliminating the stupidity <laughs> of missionaries raising money love so they can it. go on a mission field. Good good phrase. I love that. It <laughs> is. It is. I, here's what I believe. I believe that, and you said this, I've watched, I'm 55 years old, and I've sponsored a bunch of missionaries. I have a lot of friends going into missions over the years with Cambridge Crusade for Christ, and you, just down the list. And it's always bothered me is they have to take a year off of their life sometime, maybe two years, to fundraise, which they hate. They don't know how to do it. They can't stand it. They're doing newsletters. They're cold calling people. And they're thinking, you know, hold on. God called me to missions. What am I doing? And I'm watching this going, why are they doing that? Why doesn't the body of Christ take that up for them and let them do what God called them to do? And so I think that's, uh, you call it stupid. I agree. It doesn't make even make sense. It's kind of what happens. So when I help people, one thing I do is I, I literally say, by the way, I, I'm going to give you a check. Don't worry about spending any time soliciting me. Right. I love you. I'm going to give you a check. If you want to send me an email once a year, twice a year, that's fine. But don't worry about soliciting me. I'm going to help you and move on to the next one. But I just hate to see them spend so much time. And when they get in the field, the same thing. They're doing newsletters, which are okay. But it takes up so much time. And it just it's a burden. They just shouldn't. When you're 25 years old and you have a call to minister the gospel in Asia or India, wherever it is, you just don't like having to do that, and I don't think it should happen that way. Well, Martha and I support some local missionaries right here on the USF campus in Tampa, and that's what they had to do. They, they actually, two missionaries married each other. They were both called to go, you know, preach the gospel to the kids on campus in a campus that, of course, is hedonistic and all those other things. And their first year, they both, I mean, the, the woman of this couple, she made 10000 thousand phone calls oh my goodness seriously seriously wow in order to raise her funds and and, and she like called ro- she cold calls? called me she <laughs> cold called me i don't even know how she got my name she cold called me and i said oh my word yeah how are you getting my name and she and she goes i just been cold calling through the phone book so when that happened what did you think what, what was your feeling when that happened you get that it broke call? my heart there you go so it, i wrote her a check yeah. she's i mean she's part of my we we, we didn't commit to her until we could commit forever because right. we never commit to a missionary until it's in there right. and nothing happens it doesn't matter if i lose a job they're getting but paid but did you instinctively feel like this is just not the right way to do it cuz that's how i felt well maybe sick every missionary i know the, the fact that they can, you know, let's say we send them on the field for four years, they come back, they have to leave the ministry that they're so deeply filled. I mean, that is, it is what they're called to do. Right. And they have to come off the field for a year to raise money because people stop paying their bills. They stop supporting them. They needed more help. I mean, I got missionary friends in Brazil. They had to come back. They helped run a school. They had to leave for a whole year yeah, yeah, to raise time. money. Furloughs, as they call it. Yeah, right. furloughs. Sure. Yeah, but they have raise to raise money. They raise money. And they're horrible at it. Right, right. They're good at the at 
helping people understand the gospel. You know, it's a little bit what I call in, in the corporate world. There's a there's a principle called the Peter principle. You take somebody who's good at making widgets, and the company gets, <laughs> the company gets, you put them in sales. Well, well, when they get well, they get successful, and then eventually they're running the company, which they can't do. They're good at doing making widgets, and people in the missions feel they have a gift. A God-given gift, whether it's teaching, whether it's preaching, whatever it is, they're good at that. And that's where you want to be able to maximize their benefits. So as a Christian supporting them, my goal when I support a missionary is, how can I help you spend more time in the field and be more effective while you're there? And how can I use my business skills I have to help you do that? And that should be our goal. And so, you know, we've gone negative, and Martha's going to call in a minute and go, okay, guys, you got to start presenting here solution here because you're being too negative. Martha's always very good at that. But she's not here today, and she's doing year-end inventory, so maybe she's not even listening. So, but if you are, I love you, honey. Um, so, but, you know, some churches get this, and some churches make it really easy for missionaries. They, 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 they vet their missionaries. They make sure that they're making a kingdom impact. Right. And then they say, okay, here, we're going to give you a generous amount. Just go. You know, yeah. we'll see you once every four or five years, but you, we, you don't need. Right. Just go. Yeah. Do your thing. Right. But the kingdom impactful thing is important because I know a lot of missionaries. I don't know a lot. I mean, I've stopped talking to a lot of missionaries that they're not making a kingdom impact. I want, I want to support missionaries. I know are reaching people for Christ. Every sure. Day. Absolutely. One of my, I got a little organization that operates in the Dominican love serves international. I don't know if you ever heard of them. They used to dig wells and for churches so that the pastor could use the fresh water to attract people to church. We do that in Vietnam. Yeah. And, yeah. and then they figured out, Oh, that didn't work. We had to train the pastors how to disciple and then, based on attracting people, and then they, right. the well, the water was a bonus for them. But we had they had to train the pastors, right? And sure. since they started training the pastors, now ten to twelve thousand people a year are coming to Christ. Yeah, and the churches are growing, and they're now supporting like fourteen hundred churches. But they do it on a budget. Right. People coming to Christ, a forty four dollars a person. Mm. Yeah. They don't like to publish that. Right. I just say it. So I'm sorry if you're listening, Martin. I probably but, it, but, it, but, it's, but it's super efficient, yes. and they're using local people to do the ministry. Indigenous. They've the indi- that's a good right. word. The indigenous people. Right. So we've got a problem. Yeah. There's a, the problem is there's nothing biblical about this model. Right. Paul said, "Hey, if I'm doing my job, you're supposed to support me." Now he said to some churches, "But when I was with you, I worked. I made tents right. so that you couldn't say, well, we help support you, right. Paul.'" Sure. And that happens. Yeah, he, he had a couple of churches right. he said that right. to, but for the most part, he said, "Hey, the guys that are laboring, they need to eat. They have families right. to support." Sure. So how do we shift this paradigm? How, how do we solve this issue? Here, here's what I've practiced in my own life is this. I believe there's two steps that will solve a lot of the problems. First one is, I, and you mentioned this, I believe in supporting indigenous missions. I do work in Pakistan, Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, Myanmar, Thailand, out in Southeast Asia. And we don't send people there. We find the churches and the pastors, leaders there that simply need assistance. Whether that's they need Bible printing, they need Bible training, discipleship, whatever it is, we give them the tools that they need to empower them to reach their people in their country. And we do this for next to nothing. As compared to if I said to send a, you know, 500 missionaries to Vietnam to equate 500 pastors there right now, it, it's impossible. So the cost. Well, yeah, because they won't even take an American into well, Vietnam. And plus, and yeah, they don't know the culture, all those issues. So sometimes you do have to send somebody. But generally speaking, find indigenous pastors in ministry, support them. Number one, number two. Here's what I like doing is, if you take if if the average person or business or church would go out and rather than supporting 25 different missionaries or 50, whatever it is, and a lot of times we'll have 10 missionaries we support where it's maybe 50 bucks a shot. 
minimize that and, and get five or 10 or 15 or 20 of your friends and go out and support one missionary fully. Get them in the field f- fully where they don't have to go out and raise money themselves. So rather than everybody, every missionary having to have 200 supporters, if we do it the different way where we say, you know what, rather than sending 20 checks a month, I'm going to find one missionary. I'm going to give him everything I have right now. I believe in this guy or gal. What that does is that gives everybody fully supported, whether it's a church doing it and or a church business individual. And what that does on the missionary side, they don't have to raise money. Because rather than having 200 people they have to communicate with every day and every year to raise money, they've got a core group of 10, 20 people that say, we're going to fully support you and we're going to send you to the missions field or support you when you're out there, whatever it is. All right. So and, you bring up, yeah, stop there because you brought up a couple of issues yeah. we, need, we need to be able to deal with. Number one, the indigenous connection. We're going to hit that secondarily. Yeah. You're talking about sending missionaries from the United States, it, other it, places. If you have to do that, but also sometimes some mission groups kind of do both. They have, they have indigenous people in the country, but also leaders that help organize that. Like in my case, I have one guy in particular that is in Vietnam right now that's the head guy that I support on a full-time basis. So it depends on what it is. But yes, that, that applies across the board also. But he's more of an administrator guy? He is. He, he okay. kinda, he's kind of like... So he's I, not doing the ministry. I call he's, him the Billy Graham of Vietnam. He's kind of organizing. He organize, oversees about, about a 1,000 house churches there. He coordinates all the ministry efforts we do through there. So I help raise money for him. So it's a combination of uh, we support the missions, the indigenous people all we can. Where I have one guy that coordinates all that, and I help raise all the money for him. He doesn't have to raise money one second of his life. He's in the, he, he can was just in, do his job. He was in the mission field when I started with him back in 1998, about six months a year. Now he's there 11 and a half months a year doing all of his work because I've taken over the business side of supporting him, the fundraising side also. If somebody does have to raise funds, go do it for him. If they have to say, if they, you know, say hey, listen, if you need, do need to raise money, another way to do it is rather than making them go out to their 100 friends, Get the names and go yourself and do it for them. Take the burden off their shoulder, uh, and it's a lot easier for you to go than them anyway. So there's multiple ways to do this, but but just take the burden off the guy in the field and get on the field to have to fundraise. All right, so you just presented a couple of ideas. Let's just cha- yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll kind of chew through those before we get to the break. All right, we got a missionary that needs to be sent. Are, are you identifying people from here that are going there? And, and again, I think that's the model that's shifting. Yeah. So much of work has been done overseas by the Western nations that now the indigenous people can really take over the direct ministry, but they could use they could use the administrative support. And that's very common, right? And, and that's really where it's shifting from right. us doing the direct ministry because we don't know the culture right. to doing some of the administration and helping the coordinating the fundraising exactly. that kind of stuff. Okay, right. because something you said earlier, we're supporting indigenous people doing work with their own people. For instance, you send a, a missionary from the United States for them to go live in a foreign country. They're still supporting a house here or children here or whatever. It may cost a hundred thousand dollars well, because have, you got overhead on, with the sending organization the, too. You almost have the U.S. cost of living still in this other country. Yeah, somebody shifts there, even so though the cost expensive. of living there might be one one hundredth of right. So, like in our case, we're funding one one guy, but we're getting almost a thousand pastors. We're working with through that one guy. So we're supporting one missionary in that sense. But with that, we get about a thousand indigenous pastors working underneath him. He's coordinating in Vietnam. Yeah, so. that same that same hundred thousand dollars that you'd spend to send somebody from here to do supposedly the evangelistic work overseas in some third world country. That same hundred grand could support somewhere between ten and fifteen people, including their travel costs. Oh, it could support it, it, where I do ministry. It's it's a lot more than that. We could okay. train, we could probably for a hundred grand. What you, what could you do in Vietnam? We can train a a pastor in Vietnam for about one hundred fifty dollars a year. 
Okay. I mean, this, this is... Yeah, but he's still got to get paid so he can be a pastor, or are well, they all bivocational well, there? These guys get supported by other places also. But, for example, one thing we do is we, pr- we print Bibles and, and do leadership training. So on those two issues, we get Bibles for two bucks a shot, and we can train a pastor for 150 bucks a year just in the training side. So if we can do that... I'm just telling you that the amount of money we save, if I had to you know, go out and train 500 or 1,000 missionaries and send them to Vietnam, where it wouldn't work anyway because of the culture, but even if it did, the cost would be astronomical. So the key is to find the, the indigenous people and leaders that are responsible, that really are called to do God's work in their country, and come alongside them, support them. But they always need some help. Maybe it's administrative. Maybe it's the business marketing fundraising side. And what I encourage people to do is find the skill sets you have. Maybe you're a website designer. Maybe you're good at whatever it is. Maybe just, and find your skill sets and say, how can I plug that into helping a missionary? In my case, I take all my CEO skills. I'm running all the business side, the marketing side, the fundraising side. So he has to do none of that. So really taking your skill sets you have as an individual or as a business and say, how can I come alongside this guy or gal in wherever they are and support them, whether it's fundraising, which we talked about, or other things they need help with. All right. I'll tell you what I did. God called me to be involved in missions in 1998. On a, on a, it's not my full-time job, of course. And I sat down and said, you know what? You are a full-time missionary well, where you it's, are? It's, it's, a, it's another job. Part of okay. my job, I got right. you right on. So. And, I, and I said, you know what? What can I do to help these guys out in Vietnam that I ran across? God got to be my, I brought people into my life and said, how do I help these guys? I said, you know what? What do I have every day that I can utilize? So I spent about four or five months going down the local library doing uh, grant writing, fundraising uh, research on how can I raise money for these guys. So I said, you know what? I know how to raise money. I know how to do research. I worked, I worked with foundations before. So I took my business knowledge of foundation and grants, and I went out and did about, about six months doing research. And we raised probably three or $4,000 a year just from grants, from foundations that, are, that support Christian work. So just taking things like that, taking your skill sets you have, whatever they are, it's amazing what you can accomplish when you decide. And, when, and you get behind a missions effort like that. God will open up doors for you in ways you never thought he could. So just take your skill sets, go out, and plug into ministry in some way. And, and I would also challenge business owners and, and, and people and individuals as general also to go out and commit your business to support missions. Maybe you're going to say, you know what, I own a print shop, I own a Subway franchise, whatever it is. A little plug for Subway there, I guess. Um, and commit X percent to, of your business to go to missions and see what God does. So build missions into your business from day one saying, God, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to make sure if you give me success, this much is going to missions and then commit to that. So there's just a lot of ways we as Christian businessmen and women can take what we do every day, whether it's using our skill set, using the money we generate in, in business, committing it to God, to really help solve the problem so these missions are supported. There's so many efforts around the world right now. We live in America. It's a very sheltered area. When you travel to other countries, as you and I talked about during the break, the need is immense. And and you mentioned a guy from uh, Gospel Frasian, yep. Johanan. Can we talk about him? Sure we can. But, well, actually, we're going to talk about because it. it's time for okay. a book highlight segment. Okay, great. I don't want to highlight his book. Good. Perfect. All right. Our book highlight segment is brought to you, as always, by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. We're highlighting this book. The book is called Gospel for Asia. And it's by K.P. Johanan. Great book. And this, the, the summer, let's just try to summarize, but we got a minute and 20 seconds. This is what I got out of it. American churches, stop building bigger buildings. Use the excess money that you have. Just because somebody gives you a big gift doesn't mean you need to build another building. Mm-hmm. Hook up, connect, strategically align yourself with an organization making a kingdom impact in a foreign country and just support them directly so they can use that money as efficiently as they can use it. Amen. That's it. That's it. I th- think what KP says, and I, I saw him speak about 10 years ago, really touched me. He basically said, if 
God has given the Western churches in America and Western Europe and so on uh, the the funds to solve all the problems and missions around the world. He gave it to us. We just haven't quite figured out why he gave it to us yet. Once we do that, the money's there. It's there. It's a matter of how we utilize the funds right now. His point is, why, rather than building a $50 million church, make it a $20 million church, you know, and save the $30 million and go into missions somehow. So just just don't forget the, the reason why God gave his wealth. It wasn't just for ourselves. And, and he was talking about how missionaries in India, because they're used to living on subsistence living, right. that, you know, you can have a, a pastor going and working full-time for like three or four grand a year. That's right. As opposed to us sending somebody there that wouldn't be as effective and it costing $100,000 a year. So it, right. it's a fantastic book. I recommend you get it. You can go onto their website, gospelforasia.org, I think, but Gospel for Asia, just type it in. All right, today David Yates and I are tackling the subject of how can Christian business people solve the problem of raising money for missionaries? David, why are we even having this conversation? Because it's kind of, you know, that... Every, everything's fine. They just they decide they're going to go on the mission field. They raise money and they go. It's uh, it'd be nice if that was that, that simple. It never is that the case. And and the unfortunate thing is the, the solutions I think to be very simple again is support indigenous missions wherever you can. And those that have to be involved somehow full time, help them raise the money. Do it for them. So it's it's sad because they get called by the, and I've seen this happen so many times, Jim. Where young people I know they get this great calling in life. They're excited about going on the missions field or supporting whatever it is they're doing. And, and they, they hit this brick wall of, I don't know how to raise this money. Or I see indigenous pastors in Vietnam and in Pakistan that need very little funds to start a church, and they just don't have it. And I realize, you know, five or six meals over here in America can help them start their church. I was going to say, yeah. Some people carry around a couple hundred dollars in their wallet. Not everybody, but, you know, some people do that. A couple hundred dollar bills can, can plant a church. Yeah, exactly in, right. in a third world country. And we're not saying this to make people feel guilty. No. But just to drive awareness of, you, it's amazing the impact you can make yourself. And some Sometimes missions sounds like this big global effort. How do I get involved? Well, just pick one thing you can do yourself and find a missions agency. Get involved with your church and say, you know, what? here's, here's the skill sets I have or here's the money I have. How can I help? And everybody can make an impact. So let's identify the, the issue. The issue, you didn't come out and say it. I'm just going to say it in the Jim Brangenberg blunt fashion. <laughs> we, are, we are making missionaries do something they are not equipped to do. Right. It's broken. Correct. It's not biblical I for agree. missionaries to have to raise their own money. In fact, so we have epitomized stupid in the church asking missionaries to do something they're not good at. That's right. Missionaries and pastors are gifted at teaching evangelism and discipleship. That's how God equips them. So they're passionate about reaching people for Christ, for spreading the gospel. The rest of us are gifted in, as business people, certainly, at administration, finance, organization, and management. We're the people that can help the missionaries do That's what right. they do best. That's right. Let's stop asking our missionaries. I mean, no wonder they leave the field because they have to do something that's horrible. Imagine, first of all, most people in our society will never cold call. Right. And we're asking missionaries to cold call. Literally. I have been in sales since I was eight years old. Knocking on doors is hard. It takes intestinal fortitude a lot. And you know what's even worse is having to call your uncle and your aunt sometimes because that's just uncomfortable. It's just people that you know. But I think my point is, and you agree with it, is another way that we can help those that do have to raise funds for missions is it's easy to write the check every month and say, okay, hey, you know, God bless you. Go out and have a good, you know, we'll support you, pray for you. And that's great to do that. But go the next step and say, how can I help you get prepared for whatever you're doing so I can take that off your shoulder? I've done that. I've seen the benefits of that. And I've seen the ministry effort that, that, that I work with on just, just mushroom after that took place. Free these people to do what God called them to do. Because some of these people literally spend half of their time 
raising money, doing newsletters so they can keep raising money, taking time off, furloughs, like you said. Take that burden off them and say, you know what, I'm going to help. If you need to raise money, I'm going to, I'm going to do it for you. And they got to take the time off to do something they're not really good at. Right. There's something that is absolutely agonizing for them to do. Correct. Leave what they're really effective at, what God has truly called them to do. And because they're ineffective at fundraising and they don't like to do it, they don't use their time as efficiently. And, you know, and it drains their spirit. I've seen it. It sucks the life out of these people. One of the number one problems we have in missions today is, is obviously, is money. These guys, and eventually you know, what happens is some of these people will do this, and tr- some are trying to raise the money. They can't. They leave. They will, they will leave the ministry, the mission's goal they had in their mind, because they just can't raise the money. Or they go two years, they're in the field, the money drops off. So the key is, how do we get behind them? Rather than just sending a $25 check-in, which is great, sit down with one person and say, how can I help you in your missions effort to really get fully funded? What can I do? And, then get, and do the work for them. Because we have the, we we have the skills. I mean, imagine if somebody, you, know, you met this guy from Vietnam, yeah. and, and you've got the skills. You recognize right away, I'm a CEO. I know how to raise money. Certainly, you're a CEO on a nonprofit, so you've had right. to do nothing but raise money, and, yeah. and then God gave you incredibly creative ideas, a couple of movies, motion picture hits, really. Uh, so you use the skills that God gave you to help bless a mission field, and, and like you said, you support a guy who supports a thousand pastors yeah. administratively. Yeah. And growing, and growing. And there is... Try a, to do that in the United States. One guy supports a thousand. Can't do it anywhere. And not only that, forget the ministry side. If, if you have a business perspective, I'm a businessman also. A lot, a lot of guys look at from a business... If I invest, if I donate $100, I'm going to know how it's going to be used. From an ROI perspective, you can't get any better than that to have that much impact and I realized that I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back off. I'm going to change my mentality I've had my whole life. I'm going to support indigenous missions wherever I can, number one. And number two, when I do help raise money for individuals who have to be involved administratively, whatever it is overseeing that, I'm going to take that effort up for them so they can do that all the, t- all the time. And I'm also going to raise more money for them. And, I, and what happened is... So that money to spend to actually do the work that they're doing. Well, they, they went from him, him raising money half his time and having almost no success to where I, I got him pretty much fully funded for himself. But also, the money we raise for the ministry efforts are astronomically higher, because I knew how to go out and grant, right? I knew how to fundraise for him. And so the point is, just take whatever skill set. Maybe you're a website designer. Maybe you're a graphic designer. Whatever your skill set is, think about how can I come along somebody like that. But if you know somebody in missions, call them up and say, how can I help you, number one? And secondly, on the financial front, how are you doing right now? We, We got a younger audience than most of us. You can email them. Just there in case you, you want. Or That's you can right. Skype them overseas. Because if you got them. good missionaries making a kingdom impact somewhere, just uh, reach out to them. I know that it's expensive to make overseas phone calls, but you can do it for just about free. Or you can Skype. text. Or you can text. That's right. <laughs> okay. So, but you brought up a couple of great ideas before the bottom of the half hour of how people here can do this in a smart way. You said, okay, instead of supporting 100 different missionaries, get 15 or 20 of your close friends and the 15 or 20 of you support one person in full. And that way he didn't have to spend any time with the burden of fundraising. Traveling to different cities and all those other ridiculous things. Exactly. And it's it's time and money. And frankly, it's also discouraging for these guys. But you say it's not the time and money, I think, that that sucks the life out of the missionaries. It's the agony. It drains their soul because it is so... It's like saying, David, I, I know that you are CEO, but I need you to clean toilets. Yeah, exactly. I remember. Well, the, which I know you're willing to do. Sure. There's, and I've done that. There's well, a, no, I, no, better yet, I want you to repair cars. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I saw a guy one time that was going to the mission field, and he, he said, you know, I'm going in right. He was excited. He had all the passion for Christ, wanted to go out and change the world. 
And he said, but now I have to raise money for two years. I'm thinking, he may give up. He may just say, you know what, I've, I've, after a year, I just can't do this. So he literally had to pause the passion and the calling he had and, and raise money for two years. I'm thinking, that is not, if I, in, in the business world, we would never do that in the business world. So why do we do that when it comes around to doing business for Christ? That doesn't make sense. Because the church needs to understand this. And, and we talked about this before the break, or during the break, that in order to get a proper perspective on the need in the third world, you gotta go. Gotta go. And I'm not saying you're gonna go, and you can call it a short-term trip, missions trip, it's not really, you're not going to do missions work. The missions work is to your soul when you go. Exactly. You go to the third world, and you can go to any third world country around the around the world, around the globe, anywhere, and you're gonna experience this. You're gonna understand true poverty of yep. the soul. Right. And you're gonna understand that poverty is not just a money thing, it is a soul thing. Mm-hmm. You're gonna understand the need for the gospel. And the fact that there are people there that know the gospel, That's key. that need money to help spread the gospel. Exactly. It's not because they want to live a rich lifestyle. That's because they need money for fuel and they need a car. You know, we've got a missionary. I've got missionary friends in the Dominican. They need four wheel drive trucks because the potholes there are bigger than cars. Right. Right. You can't drive a metro in the right. Dominican Republic and reach the villages for Christ. One thing we do is we actually raise money for motorcycles and bikes for pastors because they need to travel 10 miles to the different churches. So just practical things like that. And yeah, a motorcycle is, is in a third world country is, is huge. Exactly. And short-term missions, like I agree, short-term missions are, in my mind, are less for actually doing something great while you're there. I mean, normally you do. You help build a church or work with an orphanage. That's all great. It's more for you getting a vision of, of what the need is. And like you said, also understanding sometimes in America we think that we know best and we feel like well we need to send missionaries in every country of the world to save the world no we don't now sometimes that has to take place but what i found out when i flew to vietnam first in 2004 i got off the plane and i thought i'm gonna i had this american mentality that we need to bring all these missionaries out here and help change vietnam as soon as i met these patches i realized whoa as soon as i get off the plane the infrastructure god has built the infrastructure in this country i just need to help these guys and gals i don't need to bring anybody over i don't need to send any missionaries they're doing their work i just need to let them help them do their work by raising money for bibles by help training their pastors so they can they can plant their churches giving them evangelical tools giving them uh, you know the jesus film to utilize in the villages tra- you know radios to get the radio teaching from just give them the tools they need not to create dependence just the basic tools and let them do their work so how do you get the money there because that's one thing you know when you send a missionary from the states you know you're sending money to a sending organization they're going to skim they're going to take five or ten (laughs) percent i didn't mean to use that word i'm sorry uh they're going to take five or ten percent administrative fee off it because they've got staff to support the staff in the field and uh i'm going to get in trouble for that comment later too uh so they take their portion and then they they find a way to wire it they take care of all that but when you're dealing directly with an indigenous organization indigenous ministry organization in a third world country that intimidates yeah. well, people here. How map. do you do it? Here's what you do is you always want to work through a credible organization. Everything I do, even though I have one individual I'm working with, is through a credible nonprofit 501c3. Um, it's it's got to be either a church or an organization you know or an individual you know very well. But, for example, what I, a lot of money I raise comes through agencies that send it to us as a 501c3, and then we shift it to the field. So I do want to say this. You do want to be accountable with your money because it, one thing that ha- I've seen many times is money can also – ruin the mission field. If it's not accountability uh, and accountable, the fact is I've seen I've seen uh, money given the wrong way without accountability become a negative. So you want to give So let's let's give let's draw that picture because people don't understand that yeah. because they're also spo- we live such a spoiled life here, yeah. but I I have seen that. I have it seen all it. the time. Yeah. So you give a missionary too much money. First of all, we already said missionaries are gifted in teaching, evangelism and discipleship, yeah. not administration, organization, management and finance. 
finance, 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 right. finance. They're not good at it. They're not good at balancing their checkbook. They're good at reaching people for Jesus Christ, for That's teaching right. the gospel. So you give them too much money, they don't know how to handle it. And all of a sudden, they're mishandling money. They're spending too much here. They're spending too much there. They, they allow the allure of money to cause them to impact their lifestyle. Right. And instead of it increasing their status of giving to the field, it starts right. increasing their status of living. You have to have... It twists them. I used to be a CPA. I make sure everywhere I give, every ministry I support and get behind has a very financial accountability system. You have to have that. It's, just, it's for their best interest and also yours. And for donors, donors want to know, this. if I give you $1,000, tell me how I know it's going to be, who's handling the money. For example, every time we transfer money in the field, two people witness it and sign, and sign a receipt. You do things like that, and you got to go through a credible organization. So just make sure you give, but give wisely and give smart and make sure it's accountable because you can also hurt the field and not help it if you don't give in that way. And, and it's, it's the same allure here. Let's say right now you're living in a lifestyle, and you and your spouse and your family are living on 70 grand. And all of a sudden, now you get a job, and you're going to make 100 grand. So that's thirty thousand dollars extra minus tax. Let's just say, and after tithe, now it's uh, an extra twenty three thousand dollars or twenty two thousand dollars. Most of us will go out and find a way to spend the extra twenty two grand instead that's of right. going. Wow, what yeah. can that twenty two grand do on the mission field? Well, in fact, it could support a dozen missionaries. Right. You up your lifestyle. We change your lifestyle. It, we adjust it. And there's a balance, Jim. We want to make sure that we really take care and really financially supply those that do the missions work. So we want to take care of them financially, but just make sure when you give, you give to an accountable organization that is certified. And, and, and you have confidence that if I give my money or I get somebody else to give their money that I'm soliciting to this, it's given the right way. But having said all that, the need is so great right now. But I encourage everybody out there to go on a short-term mission strip and get a vision for what the need is. And once you see it and smell it and, 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 and hear it, smell it'll change your life. Powerful. And I, I say smell intensely because it, you know what I mean. It's, yeah, because when you get back, when you get back... To the United States, and you get off the plane, you can still smell it in your clothes. Absolutely, it yeah. smells. You know, the Dominican is a mixture of fruit and smoke. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's just what it smells like. Yeah, yeah. And it is. It's powerful because you you remember smells. We remember smells and tastes from our childhood. That's right. And you can remember remember them on the mission field. Yeah, right. And, and there's such a desperate need, and we need to understand how fa- how far our money goes. I yeah. mean, it really does go a yeah. very far away. I- well, I was just going to say the you know we need so the things you've said. Hey, get together with a group of people and support one missionary. Get together with a people. Uh, just volunteer with the missionary. Call them and say, hey, what can I do for you? Or if somebody's raising money, say, hey, listen, I'll take care of that. You get prepared to go. Absolutely. Get all the training you need. You bet. You yeah, bet. That's but to ask that question, why have I been given this wealth? I think that's the question. I mean, I think, again, I think going on a short-term mission trip, again, another thing it does for you, it helps you, re- helps you recognize just what we, we talk about what we have here and how well off we are. But when you see it, you go, when I went to Vietnam the first time I came back, I said, oh my goodness, I, I knew how well we are off here, but you have to see it to understand. But the fact is, there is, everybody can make a huge impact. They just have to really understand what yeah, it is. Everybody can. Every, because because the money that you're spending in a day at Starbucks can make an impact on somebody's life for, exactly right. for a couple of days. And I tell people, Jim, like you do, just don't don't get be intimidated by the, the thought of world missions because you're not going to solve world missions no. yourself. But you can help solve one problem. If you can solve one problem for one missions effort by using your money, your skill sets, whatever it is, that's what you can do. $3,000 a year can support a pastor of a church for a year Absolutely. in a lot of third world countries. And even less than some. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, that's a, I mean, that's a huge impact you can make with very few dollars. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. It just, it, and, and 
Yeah. And we can do it right I'm hoping you're catching today. some of this passion. Today we're talking with David Yates, CEO of the Clearwater Marine Aquarium, about a passion that he and I have. How can Christian business people solve the problem of raising money for missionaries? And, and, and so we just talk about in the old days, yeah, we needed to send people. But we don't really need to send as many people today right. as we need to send money to help support the infrastructure that's there, the indigenous people. And that's what we were talking about right before the break, David. How do we find those organizations that are making a kingdom impact, that are going to handle the money responsibly so we can just give the money and let them do their work? Right, right. Well, there's a lot of credible groups out there. It depends on, I'm, I'm assuming most Christians have some groups they're aware of, anywhere from Campus Crusade to, we talk about gospel for Asia. There's groups out there. I would encourage people to just pray about, you know, what part of the world does God want you to be involved with? Or maybe what per- maybe you've already met a missionary you can get involved with. Who has God put in your path right now today that you know? You can call up and say, you know what? I want to help you starting right now today. What can I do to help you? Whether it's raising money, raising money for you myself. Um, I have this skill set. I want to help you. So just start today with whoever God's put in front of your path. And there's hundreds. I'll tell you, there are thousands of missions groups right now. Thousands. And so choose wisely, but do some research. But also, again, I'm a firm believer, as you said, find a group that does has indigenous work. Because I think what happens is, is we got to realize, as you said, that God just didn't just build his church in North America. He's built it all around the world. Right. And we only know how to do church the North American way. Exactly. exactly. And they do church different. Exactly. You know, we all experience God differently and cultural. they do church differently there. But cultural. It, it's cultural for them. And that's, that's okay. That's exactly. I, I can't go lead a church in Vietnam. It wouldn't work. <laughs> Not that I want to do that anyway. Well, just I don't think you got the language down. Not quite. I can barely do English. <laughs> but it's uh, exactly right. But it is important important that we understand first of all we talked about earlier how everybody everybody listening here if you've got the opportunity you need to go on a short-term trip to some third world country and by the way you don't have to they fly out of tampa direct to third world countries all the time tampa and orlando very easy. My to go. wife and daughter. Three or four hundred bucks. You can go to any third world countries. A ton of them. My wife and daughter are going to Nicaragua in end of August. So it's it's uh, almost every church has a program like that you can tap into. So there's all kinds of efforts. But go if you have a chance. Go. It's it's be valuable. But the need is also local, and that's one of the other things that there are a lot of local organizations. Missions is much more expensive in the states, but there's a lot of local organizations that need help as well. But you've been given a gift. You've been given an opportunity to share the wealth that you've been given. Why have you been given it? And if you're supporting missionary, you probably got a raise last year, maybe even 3%, maybe 2%. I know it hasn't been much in the last six years, but when was the last time you gave your missionary a raise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they shouldn't have to ask for that. Just if, if you get an increase, maybe give them an increase. Right. I mean, they need more money because they... The ones that we send from here, they're living off the dollar, and the dollar decreases in value every year, so they need to raise more and more money. That's right. And I'll say this much also. You, you want to have the blessings of God in your life. Go out and get behind the people in the field doing God's work in these countries, and God will honor you in so many different ways. And uh, Because the need's there, and the need is there. And the bottom line is, I believe every need in the missions around the world could be solved if Christians in North America and Europe would recognize, okay, we have the solution. We see the need. We have the solution. We can help solve and everybody picked up their phone and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contact the guy or gal I know. I'm going to help them out. I help them raise money. We can solve the problem, Jim, in seven days <laughs> if people just realize, I see the need. I see how I can help out. I'm going to start today. Wycliffe Bible Translators put out a thing about a year ago that said, listen, we only need a billion dollars. All we need to finish translating the rest of the unknown languages in the world to Scripture. 
A billion. That's all they need. That's just a million people giving a hundred, see, a, a, a thousand bucks. Yep. I had to do that yep. in my head. Yep. Sorry, that yep. was freaky. <laughs> right, but I mean, a million people giving a thousand bucks. Are there are, are there more than a million people in the United States that could give a thousand bucks that are Christ followers? Yes. I can tell you, having done research myself on foundations, there are, there is so much money out there right now. It's there in the church. We just have to rec- again recognize the need and say we're going to we're going to take this seriously now and try and solve the problem because we can solve it today. Well, and it's important. I mean, when I have Bob Collins on here from the National Christian Foundation. He said, in Tampa Bay alone, there's 300 billion, with a B, billion dollars of frozen Christian assets sitting on the sidelines, not working. 300 billion dollars can transform the continent of Asia. And that's just Tampa Bay. That's Tampa Bay. And we're a small little community. Imagine what New York City has, has in Boston and these old, where all the old, old money is. Imagine what. Miami has. There's all kinds of money down there. So the, the scary thing is, God's given us the answer. We just have to take what he's given us now and solve the problem. He's given us a solution. So ask yourself the question, why have I been given what I've been given? And am I sharing Am I sharing what I've been given with those that are making an impact with the gospel each and every day? All right, we've come to the end of another I Work For Him program. I, I got to put this challenge out there. I do it every day. I'm going to do it until the day I'm off the air. I want you to join the I Work For Him Nation, not because I want your name, but because I want you to make this commitment. I want you to make the commitment to start praying for your coworkers and employees in your workplace each and every day by name. I want you to pray for everybody you work with by name each and every day. And I want you to start looking for ways to minister to them outside of the workplace. Become their friend so they can see Jesus in you and look for ways to serve them in your workplace. At the same time, looking for ways where you can pray with them when you see that their countenance is down, when you can see they're, they're down in the mouth a little bit and they just need a friend. Use that opportunity to pray with them, but all along being the best and brightest example of an employee in your position each and every day so that everybody can say, why? Why is Jim so different? Why does he work so hard? He makes me look bad. Well, Jim's a Christ follower. He should be working harder. That's what Jesus said. Hey, when you're on our website, signing up, when you go on to the subscribe or contact us on I Work For Him, stay on the website, click on the top little tab, talks about all kinds of really exciting things going on on I Work For Him. Click on the tab. Big changes coming up on July the 20th. Go on to either our Facebook page or our website and find out what's going on. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.